Welcome back to another episode of Backlash Podcast. This week we're going to talk to Austin Wiggerman with Austin Wiggerman's Guide Service, and he's running out of all over. I mean, he's in sometimes he's in northern Wisconsin, sometimes he's in Minnesota. Right now he's a lot in southern Wisconsin and northern Illinois. So if you are looking to book a trip in those areas and you like what Austin has to say tonight, we'll have his contact at some point in this podcast. With that said, uh, my co-host is Brad Hoppy with Muskie Mayhem Tackle. I'm Jeff with Team Rhino Outdoors, and we're going to talk muskie fishing again, Brad. That's what we've done for, I don't know, I think this is now 193 episodes in a row, which actually has me thinking, Brad. So we did that whole big deal for episode 100, and quite honestly, I had a, I kind of had a plan well before episode 100 what we were going to do for that. What do you think we're going to do for episode 200? We should probably do something that's more special than just a normal episode, right? Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. I mean, it's hard to believe that we're this far into them. I don't even know what what the date was when we started, but it's incredible. And I know I hear from a lot of people, they're just like, wow, you guys have been doing this every week. We haven't missed one yet. And I don't think we plan on missing any. But uh, yeah, for episode 200, we got to come up with something. I mean, barring anything unforeseen, I I don't plan on quitting anytime soon. So, but hey, I tell you what backlash podcast at gmail.com that's the way you can get in touch with us if any of you listeners have an idea on what you would like to to, you know a a celebration for episode 200 if you're looking for i don't know some guests or something let let us know we'll take your input into consideration i did have one person give me some input they were talking about like hey maybe you should have some people on and talk about big fish stories for episode 200 so that's definitely a possibility but you know, if anybody else has any ideas, you know, last time we did, I mean, heck, I can't even remember what the heck we did for episode 100. We did uh, baits that revolutionized musky fishing or something like that. We had like 10 or 11 different people chime in, I believe, something like that. Wasn't it, Brad? It sounds familiar, but <laughs> I don't know. That was, a, that was a little while ago, Jeff. I mean, uh, it's amazing how all these blend together in your mind, but uh, that sounds about right. I mean, oddly, it was almost probably two years ago, obviously. I mean, the one thing is we're at like 193, so it was technically 93 weeks ago, but I know we also had that April thing where we did one every single day, so that didn't really, that that wasn't it. So anyways, um, if you if you have some suggestions, something that you'd like us to talk about, potentially a guest that you want to hear from on episode 200, you know, uh, shoot us an email, backlashpodcast at gmail.com. And since I'm uh, plugging stuff right away, the only way that either Brad or I or Carrie make anything off this podcast, because we have no sponsors, so we're basically free to do and talk about whatever we want to, is if people decide that they want to shop with us. And if you're looking for gear for your next musky fishing adventures, you should check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. I understand it's fall, it's late, and we have tons of crankbaits, we have tons of rubber baits. We have lots of sucker rigs. We have lots of jerk baits. So if those are the things you're looking for, we have them. And if you're also looking for blades, you know, Brad talks about that a lot. You can get them from us. But if you're also looking for blades or you want the new grenade, you know, which is a uh, perfect opportunity for people if they're fishing deeper, they're fishing, you know, open water in this fall period, you can check that out at Musky Mayhem Tackle. And Brad, you're going to talk about Musky Mayhem Tackle. Well, I think you pretty much covered it right there. It's uh, muskymayhemtackle.com, and we're the originators of the uh, big bladed flashaboo baits, and pretty proud of that. So love to hear your stories, love to see your pictures. Please feel free to uh, send any, any of those to us. 
and uh, check us out on the on the web. All right, so we got our our one minute of spamming you out of the way. That's that's kind of the one thing we do every single episode. We'll talk to you about you know each of our companies because you know once again that's that's how I guess we make this all work, right? Anyways, um, Brad, you know fishing for me as I don't want to say I predicted it, but so I went out this past weekend and I I fished on it will say Saturday afternoon. Did a little bit of casting, throwing some big baits, running some live bait. Uh, fishing, uh, still off structure a little bit, but I still was sliding up a little tighter than probably what I wanted to cause I was, or not what I wanted to maybe, maybe a little tighter than I should have been. But anyways, cause I, I with this warm up that we had over the past weekend and in case you were living in a, you know, a hole for the last, you know, three days, it's, uh, I mean, it's, so it's Monday night tonight this episode comes out on Wednesday, but you know, just this past weekend and even today we're talking, you know, what, you know, uh, temperatures anywhere from 70 to 75. And typically for me, that is a tough bite. So I kind of got outside my comfort zone. I tried a couple of different things. I did some deep water, uh, open water trolling and I didn't have much success. I think that Brad, you've probably had a little more success than me, but typically this, this is a tough deal. And this is a, a mental thing. Cause I'm sure that there was people that put muskies in the net over the weekend, but I struggle and I don't know, you know, if it's, like I said, it's, it wasn't for a lack of trying. I mean, I was out there, you know, busting it for uh, all day all, or, you know, as much as I could Saturday and then into Sunday. And then I had to get back because you know, basketball season kicked off, Brad, as I told you, I had two practices today. We had a meeting last night for basketball, so we're full swing into that. But anyways, you know, what, what was your story over the weekend, Brad? How'd you do? And how do you typically do during, you know, these, these types of, we'll call them Indian summers? Well, honestly, uh, the Indian summer style of fishing can be really, really good. I basically kicked off mid-October, I guess you could say, with uh, doing some trolling. And I mixed it up both with structure trolling as well as open water. And then I went really shallow. And what I will say to you is that most of the bait was off the first break out to the open water. And uh, I found bait everywhere. And amazingly enough, from zero feet all the way to 100 feet, some scenarios. But the other thing that I would say is that the muskies seem to be everywhere. Now, I will say that I didn't see anything ultra shallow in that 10 to 15 foot, but you got past 15 foot, and I was seeing fish periodically all over the planet. So they seem ultra scattered. I was uh, fortunate enough that we, we ended up putting a fish in the boat pretty much every day that we were out. So I can't complain a whole lot, but man, trying to find that second bite was tough. I would agree. I, I didn't even find any bites. So for me, it was just tough finding any bite, but you know, it's, that's all part of it. I guess at some point, maybe I'll put it all together and I'll, I'll end up, uh, you know, solving the puzzle during these types of days. It's always enjoyable to be on the water. I mean, the, the weather couldn't have been any more beautiful this weekend. It was a little bit windy, but other than that, it was you know perfect. I mean, you can't, like I said, you can't ask for anything better. Yeah, I was in the night fishing at this point of the season. You don't have to worry about bugs. So if that was your deal, I will say though, Brad, that's probably the longest I've ever trolled in the dark. I mean, I went, I mean, it got dark around six, six thirty, and I was out there till about ten fifteen, ten thirty. It's it's kind of weird. I mean, you you sort of adjust to it. It's not nearly as I guess as bad as I would have thought it would have been. And then because like I said, that was like my not my first time, but one of my first times doing that night dark trolling. And it, like I said, you kind of adjust to it. It's, it's sort of weird how your body does that. And it's at first it seemed like, holy cow, it's dark out here. But after a while, it's not too bad. 
Yeah, I think a lot of times, Jeff, what it amounts to is uh, it takes a couple minutes for your your brain to start using other senses, right? So visually, everything gets tough. Yes, you're using your eyes on your electronics and so on and so forth. But, you know, you start using your ears, you start using some of the other senses that we're maybe not as familiar with, if that makes sense. But whether you're casting or trolling, you know, that's part of the equation when it comes to after dark. And it's fun. I, I truly like it. And I think a lot of times you just kind of get glued to your electronics and you're, you're using that as the tool more so than your eyes looking at the horizon or different lights on shore or whatever. Definitely an effective way to go about it. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's something I, w- I would like to continue to try to learn a little bit doing that. And I encourage anybody to get outside of your comfort zone a little bit and try something new. That's kind of what we do here with this podcast a little bit. And, you know, I'm in that same ballpark. I like to try different things. And so I did it. Didn't have a lot of success, but doesn't mean I won't be back to do it. Certainly, uh, it, it was, you know, different, interesting, and I definitely learned a few things. So anyways, Brad, I think that, uh, I mean, as long as you don't have anything else to add to the episode, I don't, you know, we might as well, uh, you know, get on the uh on the phone and, and, and talk to Austin. Let's get after it. All right. Our guest today is Austin Wiggerman with Austin Wiggerman's Guide Service. We had Austin on episodes 142 and 99. So it's been almost a year since we talked to Austin. And if anybody would have asked me how long it's been, I would have said it was about eight weeks. That's how fast the time's gone. So uh, Austin, thanks for taking time out of your schedule. We appreciate it. And, uh, I don't know, we don't really have a set schedule of what we're going to talk about tonight. We're just going to kind of wing this one. It's been, uh, it, it kind of came together sort of quickly and, uh, hopefully we can put an episode that people can, uh, take some nuggets from and catch some more fish. So Austin, how are things going for you? I mean, it's been, you know, almost a year since we talked to you on a podcast. How are things, uh, this season? Well, first off, thanks again for having me for sure. It's always great talking to you guys, but yeah, time's time's definitely flown. The season's been, it's been good. I think as, as everybody who's, who's gotten out at all this season's kind of figured out, it's been, uh, been somewhat hit or miss or a little bit more of a, what some people would say to be a grinder. But it's, it's funny when, when people start asking me how the season's been for, for me this year at, uh, you know, this time in the, in the season, I always think back and I'm like, you know, I've been on the water since like the middle of March. Like I was already on the water before we, had that Minnesota musky show. So my season is just so long that really giving it a, a, a overall answer is, is a little tough. No, it's been good. It's been, it's definitely been a different season, you know, added in a, a few different, uh, few different stops along the way with the PMTT and, and doing that for the first time, which was an awesome experience. And then of course the second year of uh, doing Guiding full time is, is just another year under the belt of, of just learned. It, there's so much that goes into guiding, whether it be preparation or just trying to dictate the way you fish or how you fish or what baits you can fish for your clients' uh, restrictions or lack thereof. And it's uh, it's definitely just been another one of those years that you just take a bunch from, whether it be learning new water down in Kentucky or, or just catching some fun fish with new people up in minnesota and stuff like that so it's been it's been a good year overall that's for sure all right well you mentioned the pmtt so let's kind of start there that's one thing we don't talk a ton about is tournaments at least i don't feel like we do maybe the listeners will disagree but i don't think we talk a ton about tournaments so what's your overall you know thoughts on the tournament i i've always said it before when i fished the pmtt 
I thought it was a good group of guys. It's um, a fun experience and definitely can be a learning experience. What's your overall takeaway from the tournament this year? Oh, the yeah, the exact same thing. I mean, I think one of the big things for me was just the people. You know, it, like at the end of the day, you guys get to fish a set set number of hours and a set, you know, whatever the weather dictates. And then the fishing might be good and fishing might be bad, and you're really not fishing what I would like to say is, is the way that I normally do, you know, you're out there looking for, for big fish or whatever. It's, it's most tournaments are basically one on, on numbers. So it's a little bit of a different style, but just the, I would say the extras, the, the hanging out with guys, you know, for the, the pre-meeting uh, stuff and, and the after, after events and just having a beer and, and catching up and, and really learning what everybody's doing. I, you, you definitely realize that, guys are doing everything and especially in a tournament uh, trail that that's that's that big you got big name guys out there that know exactly what they they're doing they've been doing it for year after year and some guys succeed some guys don't and it's it's just an impressive it's an impressive way to i would say realize what goes into a, a specific range or hour of musky fishing and how you get the job done each time like the lake that we we fished this year was, of course, the classic uh, cave run down in Kentucky and then Eagle River chain and Three Lakes chain and then Leech and all, for the first three uh, main events. And, and none of those bodies of water I've ever been on in my life. It's funny I say this to kind of everybody, but I always feel like I do better on new bodies of water. You know, you don't, you don't fish with preconceived notions. You don't feel like you have somewhere else to be. You're just fishing exactly what the day gives you, what the, what the, your electronics, uh, show you. And basically you only know what you know. I think that's, that's basically how we had our success is we, we, what we found in pre-fishing, what we found on during the tournament hours, that's all we had to go off of. and staying on top of our fish throughout each of the events was basically the only things that, that gave us shots. But it was it was a heck of a learning experience. I had I had an absolute blast. I mean, I met so many great guys. I got to uh, I got to really just learn a ton. But it was it was definitely different. I think uh, I definitely recommend it for anybody that's able to afford it, or, or even if it's just one event and it's not the whole trail. It's it's a heck of a learning experience. You get to see really just the diversity of of baits and structure and ways that guys get the job done on any given day. And it, it, I think it kind of helped ease my mind that whatever pattern you're on or whatever way you're fishing, there's always other ways to, to go about and catch fish for that given day. But if you're on fish, don't feel like you need to be somewhere else. You, if you're on fish, you're on fish. You can get it done doing it your way. And other guys can get it done the exact opposite way. It's, it's, uh, it's, a, very, it's a very cool learning experience, great atmosphere, like I said, and it was, it was definitely something I, uh, I'm super fortunate to be able to have uh, done. One of the coolest things about tournaments, Austin, is that, you know, no matter how tough it is, whether you're networking with people or doing something, you know, you think you're on the fish and all of a sudden they're gone. And it really, really works your brain. I think it's, it's similar to guiding in a sense, right? Um, you're networking with people and they're telling you, oh, man, we're getting this, we're doing this. And a lot of times I think you kind of screw yourself by trying to adjust and doing what somebody else is doing. You got to sit and do your own thing. And when you do your own thing, a lot of times it pays off. 
But the other thing that I find interesting always is that no matter how tough it is, somebody's going to scratch one out, right? Somebody's oh, yeah. always catching fish. And I think, uh, you know, whether you're a weekend warrior or if you're in a tournament or maybe even if you're a guide, somebody is always going to catch fish. And, and that's the challenge and that's the fun part about it. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely humbling, you know. You, you sit there and you feel like if you feel like you're really on them and, and like you said, you can pull up your, your spot that next day to start of tournament hours and it might be like a, a wasteland. Your fish are gone. There's no bait and, and the system's changed and, and then you go back. You got to go back to your roots, you know. How do you fish today's conditions? And I think, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure if we've talked about this in the past on, on prior podcasts or not, but really just the ability to know when to change the ability to adapt to a, a given day's just weather and, and environment is, is just, I think what really puts the, the guys that are really good and consistent apart from the guys that are just, they know how to catch their fish and they're just going to stay in their lane and not adapt to, to each change. So there's, there's that, there's that yin and yang of, if you're on your fish, you're on your fish. You don't have to try to do what everybody else is doing. But if your fish change, having that confidence and that ability to go, all right, we got to do something different because we got time ticking and our fish are not, not here, not doing what, what they were. So it's, it's definitely, a, it's definitely a, a different way of, of trying to put a monkey in the boat. So are you one of those guys that once you're on a spot and you're seeing some fish, do you hang out on those fish or... Will you bounce around throughout the tournament? So like in my, in my usual fishing, I'm a, I'm a hit a million spots a day if I can. And, and I think the tournament aspect and the learning from it somewhat slowed me down. So that, that's one thing that I think I've noticed throughout the season as a whole is it's, it's allowed me to, if I do know there's fish on the spot, I want to pick that spot of uh, that spot apart just completely i want to i want to hit all the casts i want to hit the parallel cast i want to make sure that i've i've made all the necessary casts to know and 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 confirm that either those fish are there still or i've given them the the most opportunity if they are uh to bite so i mean during our 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 tournament fishing we definitely stuck to our spots i mean it seemed like cave run i only i had two and a half days of fishing down there for pre-fishing and it wasn't even actually with my tournament partner i had, uh, it was kind of a it was kind of a last minute deal i didn't realize that the points the way that the points lay out it wasn't like per team so if i i couldn't fish that first tournament with another buddy and have the points be connected to team our team number and then fish the rest with another friend because of the way that they have this connected. So last minute deal, I ended up um, having Sam, uh, Sam Stone, my uh, tournament partner, he ended up calling in basically using his sick time, driving overnight from Wisconsin to hop in the boat. Basically, he showed up like 45 minutes before the start of the tournament, take his first cast <laughs> of, the, of the year muskie fishing uh, down there. And then I had a buddy from Illinois come down and he was the one who pre-fished it with me. So it was, it was a little bit of a goofy deal, but we, we spent a ton of time just really just covering water and learning the place. Cause I mean, if you've never ridden down the cave run and you're kind of used to the Northwest style of, of musky fishing, when you pull up on that place, it's like, there's no, there's no familiarity. Like you feel, I, I was like, where would a musky be? You know, if you, if you, 
it, it was just a different landscape and it was it was very gorgeous it was beautiful it was something that I'm, I'm super glad i didn't get to see when the water was 20 feet high and, and straight mud by all means but it was it was definitely different so it was a lot of just learning and wherever we had anything during pre-fishing is really where we just stuck it out for for tournament wise and that that definitely transferred through uh eagle river and leech as well it just seemed like the conditions that we were dealt for every tournament were just trash and we just said as much as we don't want to let's just stay on our fish if we know there's fish here and at least we don't want to be driving the boat or in a spot that we're not confident in when the fish do decide to bite and essentially that's what ended up giving us all of our success so we we definitely stuck on our spots well, talking about Kentucky fishermen, it's amazing to me, but if you look at it consistently, no matter where they are, they always seem to put fish in the boat, and especially when it comes to a tournament. They are incredible fishermen because of their fishery that they actually spend their time on. Yeah, absolutely. And like, uh, there's no doubt there. And, and I've, I've always somewhat shocked that up i mean and like i said this is my first year fishing it but i've i've been able to just watch all these guys in the industry especially the, the guys that are just from further south i think that they just have to have such a diverse you know arsenal or toolbox to be able to put fish in the boat in any conditions anytime because they get to fish such a wide range of of the season basically i mean some places don't ice up and they're fishing it all through winter and they're fishing bass jigs and and this and that, that the guys from the Midwest, just like, that's not even a, a question uh, or we, we just don't want to throw it, you know? So, I mean, those, the guys from down South, they definitely, they definitely have every, every little trick in the book to, to put fish in the boat. And it, it shows, like you said, in, in tournament fishing, they get, they get the job done 99 times out of a hundred. And I think some of it is the mix of adversity that they go through. Like you said, there's times when their water is 30 feet high and it, it changes and continually changes. So you definitely, you, you need to have a different thinking hat on at that point. Yeah, that's wild. I, I, there, I, uh, I actually rented a, I split a cabin with, um, with guys down there in Kentucky. We stayed at, uh, at Greg Thomas's cabin he, he's got, and uh, they were showing us basically where the water was, down at this marina uh, for some of the tournaments and it's like i mean you can't even you can't even comprehend that the water's that high i mean you're like walking down flights of stairs where you just parked your truck and they're like yeah the water's up in this parking lot and you're like you got to be kidding me i mean that that would just be wild to me it's not even that that wouldn't even be fun to me <laughs> yeah i know the first time i was ever on the cave um i'm like man why are their accesses so long you know you're looking down this thing and it's a hundred yards long and you're going, why didn't they just uh, put the parking lot down here? And then, then you start thinking about it, you know, their flooding deal. It's quite bizarre to even kind of relate to. Yeah, you can't for sure. That was one of the things I was actually pretty excited to see. I mean, the first thing I did, I pulled up to the launch. I took a picture with the truck and boat at the top and I was like, oh, that is hilarious that the water can get all the way up here. That's quite bizarre. I've always joked with Greg that, you know, on the right time in the spring, you could basically go through a Wendy's drive through right in your boat. <laughs> they better be, they better be quick. Cause Greg would probably be trolling. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's cool stuff. So tell us a little yeah, bit more about, about your whole year with it. I mean, you started down in cave and then, uh, you know, how did you carry out what you learned at cave throughout the rest of the season? Ooh. All right. Well, I mean, I would, I would say the cave was cave was definitely, so I fished tournaments before and most of them were like local Illinois ones and stuff. And I really, I truthfully haven't had that great of a, a tournament record by all means. We definitely understood like, Hey, the bite was tough down in cave and we had our bite that would have got, you know, would have got us into the, you know, it's just so important to get a fish per tournament. Um, I'll say, so getting, getting our bite, we had our bite, we lost our bite. We didn't catch a fish at cave. So really it was the next stop of Eagle river and, and, uh, three lakes was, well, our fishing style kind of, kind of leans towards three lakes and the bite had been, I'll say fairly good. In, in Wisconsin. So we really just focused on trying to spend a day, uh, really learning it. Cause Sam had been on Eagle river, um, before years and years ago and, and neither of us on three lakes, we spent the day on, on three lakes and we didn't see a single fish. We really just spent a lot of time driving very, very minimal time casting. And then we spent a day on, on Eagle river and, uh, Sam had to go back to work that night. So it was really just a day of each of each place. And we found some fish on, on Eagle River. So that was somewhat the, the decision. And then the, the day that uh, Friday, which is the rules rules meeting day, I was planning on going out and, and just doing some more scouting really. And, and my trailer ended up breaking. I went to watch my boat and the little Y spreader that holds the tongue um, on the boat really just it snapped and I couldn't even get the boat off the trailer. It was just stuck. So I had to get that welded. So I, we really didn't have much to go off of. So again, it was, it was kind of just, what do we know? What, what do we have to go off of? And we're going to fish those, those areas, those fish as well. And as, um, as thoroughly as we can. So we, like I said, we didn't put a fish in the boat for, for cave run, but, uh, first day on Eagle river, we ended up and basically the, the two big fish that we found on, on two spots, we ended up catching both of them, moved the first one the right away. I think somewhere around nine-ish in the morning, and, and I spun back around. Sam made a parallel cast on this weed line to the waypoint, put that in the boat, finished that spot, and I said, well, let's go hit the other spot that's got a few fish on it, and we pulled up, and it was, it's, a, it's actually a hilarious full-length video, but we pull up, and I get off plane, and there's about four other boats fishing this area, and uh, I go, they're really going to let me just pull up to our waypoint, and Sam's like, well, well, why not? And we put the trolling motor in and I think he made four casts and we caught the, the, the next big one on that spot. And we were feeling pretty dang good about ourselves at, at 11 or whatever in the morning. And that, that ended up, uh, I think we ended up in, I think second place after day one, but we were, uh, we were a long ways from first. I know that the guys, uh, the Minnesota boys put a beating on them. I think we got eight after the first day. So we were, uh, we were feeling really good, but then also pretty, pretty bad we were pretty out of it, but it was, it, it wasn't anything crazy. I mean, we, like I said, those were the only two bites. Um, we did catch a short on day two when the weather changed, but just not knowing much on the, on the fisheries, we just stuck to what we knew, fished them as good as we could and, and kind of got our bites. It's the same thing with leech. We, uh, we actually spent five days pre-fishing leech. It was a poor bite report that I've heard coming into Minnesota. And as, 
usually when I hear that the bite in Minnesota has been, been poor, I don't know how to say this without it sounding like bad, but usually if it's a bad bite report in Minnesota, fish are just not biting bucktails in top water. That's the way that I look at it. So they're not, the fish are just not set up perfectly on the top of structures or just as active as they can be. And they're not just chowing blades like the Minnesota fish we all know and love basically. So right out of the gates, that's what we did. We covered water, tried to learn as much as we could on leech. And it's just such a big, giant, beautiful lake that, you know, every rock bar, every point, every sand stretch, it was, it was fun to fish, but we, we really found like almost nothing doing blades and top water, but it was, it was a necessity basically to, to kind of check that off the list of, of what not to do for our tournament. And we knew that we were going to have super warm, super flat, calm, super sunny conditions. So we, we kind of audible to start looking for some deep stuff. And that's kind of, I'll say our, our go-to salmonized kind of style of fishing, whether it be Northern Wisconsin or, or here in Illinois, um, we're definitely rubber bait fish, kind of deep sand grass fishermen, I'd say. And, uh, we've found two, two areas that had a fair amount of fish loaded in it. And that was really all we did. We just threw rubber, uh, deep. And it was one of those things where we got a good one after day one on, on, uh, on leech and, and put us in, you know, a good spot, but the conditions absolutely flipped 180 for day two. Looking at it now, I can say it took us too long to, to change, you know, but we fished the majority of day two fishing the same style, same areas. And then you got a bunch of guys catching fish on blades and some top waters on day two. And that's just, that's just the confidence of fishing the trail, fishing the current conditions. And we just, we, we had one shot day two, which would have been great, but, um, it, it was just another, another one of those, those ex- just, uh, days fishing muskies where you go, you go from one extreme to the next and, the person that takes the longest to make the change to fish the current conditions is the person that ends up not catching as many fish or not catching a fish because of that. So Austin, you know, throughout the course of the trail, you got any like nuggets that you'll learn that, you know, your average musky angler could apply towards, you know, their everyday musky fishing, not necessarily tournament fishing, but you know, when they go out the weekend warrior that goes out, you know, do you have anything that, that, that popped up and you thought, you know, this is this is helpful for for you personally, but it, can you share it with the listeners? Boy, you know what's funny about this is it's probably gonna it's probably gonna contradict the majority of what I say to on prior 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 podcasts and stuff. But I'd say just be confident in the way you're fishing. Uh, I I think this year has shown, and and you've heard many a guys in recent podcasts say just the bite windows have been short. And if you're not fishing really during those, those times, you know, you're not going to get bit. But if, if you, if you know, you're, you're good at, at fishing bucktails, there's always a, uh, there's always a fish that'll eat a bucktail. If you're fishing it right and you're out there on top of fish, I think that just being confident in what you're doing and it's easier said than done. And I always try to preach kind of getting out of your box and, and learning new things, but definitely, Definitely, if you're if you got one day a year, you know, to, to musky fish, go do what you're good at. Be confident in it. Fish as as hard as you can. Keep your bait in the water, and and most times you're gonna get you're gonna have your shots, you're gonna have your chances, and just realize that fish do a lot of different things. There's populations of fish doing different 
using different structures, doing different things throughout the throughout the whole system. And if you're fishing confidently, you got a a, a good boat partner, and you're having fun doing what you're doing, you're gonna you're gonna have success. All right, so Austin, let's talk about you know you you talked about fishing confidence and things like that. So one thing I would say, you know, for me as a weekend angler, I struggle with confidence wise would be like the conditions that we just saw over the past weekend. So I don't know where it was, you know, where you were fishing, but in, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin, we saw an extreme warm up. I mean, where we're talking temperatures in the mid seventies, isn't that what they were, Brad? 70, 74, 75, something like that. So yeah, just on where you were, that's for sure. But Honestly, you know, it really didn't affect the water temps at all. So that's the beauty of that. It it didn't in this, it didn't. But what I would say is like for me when I'm fishing, you know, because obviously earlier in the week we're talking cold weather. So for me when I'm going out on the weekend, like I'm like, yeah, it's really nice to be on the water, but that's not typically something a time of year or an instance where I do well. I mean, is do you find that to be similar there, Austin, or 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 do you have a oh, pattern yeah. that you you know, you're like, hey, yeah, if when, when this happens, then I can flip over and do this because I've never found that to be the case. Well, this is actually a good, a good, uh, a, a good, you know, way to kind of wrap in the tournament fishing and everything. So I was actually fishing a tournament this weekend. I'm, I'm spending basically the rest of this fall, which is probably going to go for basically another two months down here in southern Wisconsin. But we were, uh, we fished, I fished a tournament on Lake Geneva with a good buddy. And basically right now with that warm up, we had basically 80 degree temps for, for a couple of days. I mean, it was, it was so warm, but we're, we're met with turnover and that crazy warm up. So it was, uh, it was probably two of the things that you, you don't want to, uh, kind of coincide, especially during a tournament, but it showed we had, uh, I think there was 65 boats or something like that in this tournament. And there's three fish caught at two thirty three and a quarters and, uh, I think a 39 and a half and uh, a lot of good fishermen. I mean, names like Spence Petros and Andy Shearer, another guide out there. And, and I mean, we, we had a lot of quality fishermen on a, on what I, I would consider a pretty quality fishery right now and only getting better. And that was, that was the turnout was, was three, three fish and up and over 40 inches. So, you know, you know, there's a lot of times that you, there's not much you can do, but what I will say is it seems like, Leading up to that point, I was, I, I caught a fish every day, but one, um, guiding and, and free fishing, uh, out there for basically the last two weeks. So it's been, it's been a great bite. Really the warm up, I think, or, or really any unfavorable conditions, I tend to lean towards either super heavy cover or open water. And for us, it was open water for the uh, tournament that we just committed to fishing bait balls and, and finding uh, some suspended fish. And we had our bite and lost it and saw a few others, but it was, uh, it was definitely not, not anything you look forward to in, in fall. Usually or you'd like to see some, some cooling water temps. And usually it's not great weather to be out in. Like you were saying, you kind of enjoyed the nice weather, which it was, it was a nice kind of regroup from some of the cold, uh, cold nights we were having, but the fishing was definitely not great. So it was, uh, it was something that, that definitely didn't didn't help us down here, and I know I think it looks like we got some warm days here coming. So I think turnover is going to kind of hold on here for for quite some time, which is kind of unfortunate. But hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll make it through, and, and the rest of fall will turn out real well. 
Yeah, I'd uh, I'd played around in the open water a little bit this weekend. Brad actually knows because I was on the phone with him because it was dark out and I was afraid of the dark. So I called up Brad and he's out trolling anyway. So him and I were uh, were talking on the water and I, I, I played around. I took a page out of Greg Thomas's book from the last podcast that we did. And I actually did some night trolling because it was, I mean, weather-wise, it was beautiful out as far as, you know, it wasn't super cold. Yeah, I had my bibs on or whatever, but that was you know, Brad said, oh, it's just because you're wimpy. I think he was out there in his shorts, weren't you, Brad? Uh, not quite the shorts. Um, over here, it was windy, and honestly, the, the temps were there, but, man, that wind was cold rip, whipping off that 48-degree water. So, I mean, that makes a big difference when that wind's coming off there. Yeah, if you're standing on shore, it's beautiful, right? You could have been in a pair of shorts, but 48-degree water blowing across your face all day, it, it made it cold. Yeah. I would agree, but it was still, I mean, much nicer than, let's say, if the air temperature was 35 degrees at night. I mean, the air temperature was probably still up in the 50s, so for me, it was it was nice, and I, I played around with the open water thing. You know, when, when you're trolling open water, let's go there a little bit, you know, I, I'm assuming, well, you're you're more of a caster, I think, right? Do you even do any trolling? I really don't. I mean, I, I try to avoid it. I know I know I, I kind of lean towards casting, and it's, it's somewhat easier for me because a lot of the times our basins are just a lot smaller than uh, as you get up by like brads and stuff. So really finding fish or being around fish is a little bit more likely than, than, um, if you're, if you're just going out there casting by Brad, but yeah, I, I try to avoid it a bit. So let's talk about that though. What, you know, what's the key piece to the puzzle? You know, Brad's kept telling me, he's like, well, try to get off structure, but as a, like, I don't know, I guess maybe it's a Wisconsin thing, but it's really hard for me to get away from structure completely. I either want to be fishing break lines or I want to be fishing, you know, rock bars and like on the, on the breaks on the rock bars and try to get some baits up on the top of the rocks. Like it's hard for me to just straight up dial down the middle. Is that something that you struggle with or do you have no problems just completely being away from structure out in the middle of the water, just bombing casts? Oh, yeah, I, I have no problem with it at all. I mean, my, my real start in in the beginning of the open water which is a whole different long story but it really started at, at vermilion that gave me the com- confidence and that was just in the dead middle of, you know absolutely nowhere and from there it, it just kind of led into coming down further south and then trying it down here and I, I got mostly a shad based fishery and then now being on geneva quite a bit it's it's all cisco's so i would say that for me it it seems like if you can kind of waste your time if you're actually in that in-between zone, like you're saying, like you want to be kind of close to structure, but you're not really in open water. I feel like I see a lot of times that if you're not either just on the structure or like off of it, you're in kind of like a no man's land. Like there's definitely times, you know, where, where the Cisco's might be staging and they're really only in that secondary break type of stretch or, or something along those lines. But, I, I have plenty of confidence in open water. I think that um, it just it, it suits these fish in every every capacity. You know, it, it gives them comfort with having depth and and um, and just the ability to get away from boats zipping over their head. It's it's got bait. It's got their food. It's got the the ability to kind of rise and and fall in the column for whether that be um, oxygen levels or, or water temps or um, I, I mean it. Well, open water to me is, is definitely, a, it's been like almost an obsession for, for a majority of my, uh, musky fishing life. And it, it just seems like the more, more you learn about it, the, 
the more it kind of opens your eyes to how much fish use it for sure. But I, I, I don't know that I have a specific thing that I'm really looking for. I always tell guys it's easy to start on a lot of these smaller lakes by just taking a few random casts off the other side of the lake or other side of the boat while you're fishing some good structure. And uh, you'll, you'll end up just having a fish here and there and it'll just confidently move you further and further off. But, um, I, I think hardest off bottom transitions are huge. There's so many times as you're driving off a structure that you're, you'll see on your side imaging or your sonar down imaging units at the bottom hardness has changed and all of a sudden there will be a pot of bait fish and, uh, and a fish hanging off of it. And, and when I see something like that, I mean, that's just the instant, okay, time to, time to see where my auto chart bottom hardness lines are and let's go run some open water basically. And, that comes obviously with time on the water, being able to auto chart that much and, and having the confidence to do things like that. But yeah, open water to me is, is a no problem. No questions asked. I actually probably fish open water at some point every day, uh, that I guide for sure. And every day that I fish for fun, for sure. There's not too many days that I, I don't at least check that box because it can be very good. And especially on days that are tough, it seems like you can, you can get a bait in open water and, and, uh, the casting aspect, just the, the ability to trigger a fish out there as opposed to just dragging a bait by its face. There's definitely, a, I mean, speaking of open water, actually, in the, the, the grenade, the grenade for me, this, this open water stretch in the season has been, it's been quite ridiculous. That, that was, that's for sure. I've, I've been, I, I mean, I knew from the second that I dropped it in the spring after I picked some up in, uh, I don't know. I think I grabbed some from Chicago, but the first open water day I put it on and I dropped it in the lake and I went, this thing's going to catch. I don't know when, I don't know where, but this is a, this is a heck of a tool for, for the open water game. And the first day that I really spent time learning the ins and outs of the bait or the ins and out of the bait, I, I caught and, and I think I caught eight in a row of them this year on, on that bait. So I didn't take it off for a while. So I, I'm going to need a new crappie one here soon, Brad. I can probably get that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that, that one's having a tough time spinning. She's been she's been through it. Oh, that's awesome, Austin. I know I I had seen some pics that you had on social. Truly appreciate it. I mean, it is an incredible bait, and one of the things that I found this year is how incredible it is after dark as well. So it's been good, man. And, and I've seen some of your posts and so on and so forth, and it definitely. Uh, has got me pumped up seeing you getting those fish on it. Yeah. No, and it's, it's funny. I think after one of the first few got one on video that I posted and I had a bunch of guys kind of reach out to me and it, they were just asking how I worked it. And I, the, the funniest part and the honesty behind it is I have no idea. I was, it was just one of those things. And you, you kind of, you kind of know when a bait's good, when you're still trying to learn really the, the, the ins and outs of where and when and why you're going to be using this bait and you're catching fish already on it. But it, it's a, it's a truly diverse tool. I mean, the more that I've used it and I think for the rest of this fall, it's going to be just dynamite. I know that once this, uh, once the lake kind of settle in after this turnover phase and, and the Cisco starts staging up real hard, it's going to be, uh, one of those kind of guaranteed to be in the lineup here for, for the rest of fall. Um, I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked about it, honestly, but it's been, uh, it's been an impressive bait. So that's, that's that. Thank you, of course, for putting that bait out there. But I know, uh, I know a lot of other guys catching big fish on it. So it's, it was, it was impressive so far this year. Oh, that's awesome. I appreciate that. 
yeah, I can, I can honestly say that, you know, where we would normally use like big rubber in the fall when those Cisco's are staging and so on and so forth, uh, whether it be a giant Medusa or a bulldog, we were throwing the grenade last fall and it definitely works. And the, the coolest thing about it is, you know, you're talking about, I'm not exactly sure how I want to work this, how I want to do this or that, but the, the beauty of it is, is it falls a foot a second. So if you stand there and you count one, two, three, you know, all the way to 10, 15, doesn't matter. It's going to be right where you counted it that many feet down. So if you count to 15, it's 15 feet down. And as long as you work it at a moderate speed, I'm not going to say you can burn it because you always get lift in a bait. I don't care what bait it is. When you start burning, you're going to get lift. But, uh, if you go at a moderate to slow speed, it's going to stay in that water column. So you can really stay and hang right in their face. And and it doesn't have to be in open water either. I mean, cut tons yeah, exactly. of fish this summer in the weeds, you know, and it's relatively weedless, even though it doesn't look like it should be. Well, that, that brings up two really good points. I think that probably this is a good time to talk about just the importance of, of essentially knowing where your bait is for the rest of fall. Because, I mean, as these water temps get get cooler and cooler it seems like the the strike zone of the fish definitely seems to to get smaller i don't know if you would agree with that or not but it seems like if you don't get the bait in their zone they're not going to move as great of a distance to eat it even if they're hungry out of out of their mind it's just you have to get your bait into their zone for sure and again with the diversity of of the grenade itself it's like i know as i fish waters in your area there's a lot more just complexity to the structures so you're not you're not fishing what i would call a, a staple just bowl lake and i mean I, that's so many of our lakes around our area and, and even in wisconsin it seems like guys just their average average lake is just essentially a, a deeper break and it goes into the basin and when you're fishing a bait like the grenade you can throw that thing up on the top of the weeds burn it in burn it in through the weeds like you're saying fairly weedless and then you get to that hard edge and you can just you can just kill it and just let it drop and still be working right down that weed edge. You know how deep you are with the boat. You know how sharp of a break it is, and you can you can be in you can be pretty in the driver's seat of that bait at at all times if those blades are spinning and you're working that thing down an edge and and really uh, keeping it in a zone. So it's it's definitely a cool bait, but I like you said foot per second that's that's an important piece to this puzzle as we get further into the fall and and uh keeping your bait in the zone that they're in totally agree austin and you're right on track so austin let's talk a little bit about turnover you've mentioned it a couple times to me i are you talking like turnover in illinois waters or are you talking turnover in southern wisconsin waters so the few lakes that i've been on in illinois seem like they're basically done and it, and again, our, like our waters are our water temps are basically fifty to fifty five right now. But there's the most of the Illinois lakes are just so much smaller. The systems that I'm on that they just they just get affected so much more quickly. So they I think most of the ones that I've been on recently are are all already done through turnover. I mean, I was on the water today on a smaller system in Illinois, and the uh, the temps were back to fifty six. But they they were already down in the in the upper forties uh, as of a week ago, so I I think they're pretty much done. But but Geneva, um, much bigger much bigger lake, uh, much deeper. Obviously, I think its max is one twenty, and it's basically a lot of the basin's a hundred feet. So it takes a lot more 
to get that uh, get that going. And it's definitely it's definitely in the midst of turnover right now. We've covered turnover quite a bit. I don't know if quickly. What's your you know like I, I guess if you get on the water and something's in turnover that now. What's your preferred technique for chasing muskies? Are you are you going deep? Are you going shallow? What are you thinking there? Well, unfortunately, I don't have too many you know too many lakes to jump from. But if you have the option, obviously, and you, you see your lakes in a, in a pretty hard turnover, water's real dingy, or there's a lot of just turned up sediment, I'd obviously try to try to opt for getting onto a different body of water that might be already through it, or or maybe just starting. But um, if you're kind of forced to fish it like I am, I would say that I would definitely. I definitely lean shallower. I think anytime you can, anytime you can kind of get your bait in a closer proximity to a fish, I think it's just going to automatically give you a better opportunity to catch them. I think at, depending upon how, uh, how turned up the water is or how the bait looks, how deep I'll always check open water. It's, like I said, I try to fish open water every day at some point, but really I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go for, especially like the Geneva clear, uh, clear water clarity. I'm going to find the best, best thickest weed areas grind through there. And most of the time it's not straight running base. Most of the time you're looking to looking to kind of dig them out of the weeds, a lot of jerk baits, a lot of shallow rubber, a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff that, that apps for, uh, the possibility of a reaction strike as opposed to looking for real feeding fish. I think turnover definitely, definitely affects the system in a, in a lot of different ways. I've never seen a, a real good feeding stretch by, uh, by any means by fish during turnover phase. So it's, it's, I think it's just a big time for change. Fish move a lot. And I would, uh, I would just say hit your, hit your, your a spots, check some thick weed growth. And definitely if they're not coming running and chasing baits horizontally back to the boat, I think it's time to put on a lot of jerk baits and stuff that you can get a, a reaction strike out of fish and, and hopefully get that bite or two for the day and, and kind of make, make do for uh for your current situation all right now as we move into fall you know what i mean since you're primarily a caster you know what's your thoughts on that are you not specifically to because we you mentioned geneva so you're fishing out there you know on i don't know just your run-of-the-mill lake are you looking for you know, deep weeds are you looking for open water what should anglers be looking for as they move now towards, you know, we'll call it late fall, even though late fall is a general term. If you're in northern Wisconsin, it's late fall. If you're up by Brad, it's late fall. If you're where you are, it's just, I guess we'll call it regular fall because, like you said, you might have two more months of fishing yet. Yeah, yeah. No, I think for me a lot of a lot of fall just comes down to bait. I think you'll, you'll, you'll automatically see, even if – I think actually you'll probably see it more obviously – if you're uh, if you are a weekend warrior, there'll be a, a weekend where you all of a sudden you get out and you, you see a bunch of uh, a bunch of your bait really associated with bottom and um, a lot more just just deeper uh, stretches of water holding the the most life. Um, green weeds, I think, hold fish and hold bait for as long as you can get um, into the into the fall season and, and ice up as well. So I, I really look for, I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of a Google answer, but like your steeper breaks, I think, uh, steep breaks just provide, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of good things. Basically it allows fish to slide, uh, shallow deep. And if you can find a deep break with, with almost like a secondary, a secondary extension off of it, kind of, uh, like a feeding shelf, if you will, um, in that, I don't know, anywhere from 15 to 25 foot zone 
off of a off of a steeper break. I think that that's that's probably like an A A plus spot. If you got any got any weeds on top of it up shallow in a in a kind of a deeper uh, deeper shelf, that's that's a pretty no doubt uh, spot that's going to end up holding fish at, at one point or another throughout fall. And then you know I I would say don't be afraid to put away your your blades and your top waters our area for whatever reason and it's just it's just so it's so different when you fish so many different areas throughout the year you really just see kind of common patterns um whether it be you know go to minnesota in the summer throw a bucktail you're going to have opportunities a lot of times well in summer here our our bucktail bites just terrible and i think it's just the water gets so warm and uh the fish just move a lot deeper well when these cool, cool water periods uh come in you can catch fish on blades for a, a, a long time into the into the year, um, as long as as long as they're using the, the structure, or you're getting your bait to the depth that they're living in, don't put your ba- your blades away. So, I would say bait is is number one for me. If you find a spot with food, they don't want to move far for their food. They want to they want to be right next to the Wendy's, and and then just just making sure that you're picking a tool that kind of gets get it fits the the structure and fits the situation as as uh, good as, as you can. Like I said, there's, there's more baits and, and colors available these days that you, you definitely should be able to have something in your box that, that fits the given situation, whether you're fishing deep, whether you're fishing shallow and, and just don't be afraid to, uh, don't be afraid to keep fishing those blades. If you're fishing shallow weeds with baiting them and, and don't be afraid to, uh, go ahead and fish that open water. If that's where you're finding the food, cause the, they don't want to be far from their food and whenever they need to eat, that's what they're eating. They're not. They're not just roaming, uh, you know, looking for roaming, not around something that they're uh, they're thinking is going to provide them the next easy meal. So make sure you're around bait and anything that that definitely has that secondary shelf. I think is is a big key factor. We've established you're not a big troller. Does that mean you know you're not running live bait either in the fall? Because it seems like sometimes those go hand in hand, but not always. Brad doesn't like to run live bait, definitely likes to troll. I'm, I don't care. I just want to catch muskies. What's your, what's your uh, preferred method there? You run live bait or not? Uh, I do. I mean, I, I probably personally haven't caught a fish on a sucker in a few years now, but, but definitely there's no doubt. I mean, our, I, the, the issue that I run into is, is finding good suckers. You know, I'm, I'm so used to being either in Wisconsin or Minnesota for a lot of my, my sucker fishing, or at least, previous sucker fishing and it's so much easier to get a nice 15 18 20 inch sucker around here it's basically impossible i gotta i gotta drive away into wisconsin or somewhere around pewaukee area just to find me a, a decent worthwhile sucker otherwise it's tough to keep them alive so i i do it from time to time i'm sure as the the fall goes on here i'll uh i'll do it I, i've done it for one day so far this year and and casting ended up producing a fish and so the sucker so they're kind of a hassle I, I love them, love them and hate them. Uh, you love them when they work and, and hate them when they're, they're just kind of in your way and a pain to change spots. But, uh, I, 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 I don't know. I got nothing against uh, hearing the clicker go down and, and, uh, handing a rod off. I think that's a blast. So I, I'll do it when I need to, but it's just, uh, it's more of a, it's a pain for me to get quality suckers. Really. That's the only uh, downside for, for me. You know, it's odd. You talk about that quality sucker thing. I was up in northern Wisconsin this past weekend, and I went into the bait store, and it was later on Saturday because I didn't get up till later. My 
son played football, so I didn't have a chance to get up right away. Anyways, I walk in and I'm like, you have musky suckers. She's like, we have one medium sucker left. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, well, apparently there's a sucker shortage again, which is odd because I didn't think there was, I hadn't heard of anything. So that was news to me, but I mean, I guess maybe call ahead if you're looking to get suckers from Northern Wisconsin. I don't, I, like I said, it was strange. I didn't, I didn't know anything about this. Hmm. Yep. That was my same reaction. I was like, what the heck? I, Cause I've gotten suckers from there all fall. She never mentioned anything to me, but anyways. Maybe all the, all the guys from Illinois are coming up and buying them and heading back down. It <laughs> could be. I don't know. I, like I said, that was, I thought this was over three years ago, but anyways. <laughs> So, um, how about jigging? You Are you a jigger in the fall? You run bondy baits or fuzzy does-its or anything like that? I definitely do from time to time. I think this fall will probably be the time that I, I do it more than I have in previous years. Um, just being more like the, the third bait through a spot or, or uh, you know, kind of trying to aid the interest heading towards sucker. But, yeah, I, I, I have had success. I do it, like I said, our fish uh, or our food species are either shad or, and now with the, with the, the Geneva thing, Cisco. So they're kind of perfect, you know, jigging pelagic, uh, style bait fish species to kind of jig around. But I, I haven't done it a ton. I'll say I, I have caught, I caught one big fish doing it a few years ago and it was, it was a wild ride. It, it's kind of, kind of funny how hard they hit a bait that's just going up and down in front of them you know, forever. And it's like, you're, it's like getting a fish in the figure eight, you know, there's not that a tunnel line out and you're kind of instantly tied onto them, but it was uh, it's wild. I'm definitely looking forward to doing more of it, but I, I, I haven't had too many days where it's like myself and, and, uh, both clients or, or single client, uh, spending a lot of time jigging. Yeah, I can agree with that. It is crazy. I've only caught a handful of fish on, on bondy baits, but man, it, they do, they, they crush that thing and it's crazy. It's probably one of my least favorite ways to catch muskies. I think trolling can be boring, but I think jigging is potentially even worse. I think I'd almost rather throw pounders all day than jig, but it's effective. You know, it gets it, you know, if you're looking to get baits down quick and deeper, you know, it it certainly works. It it actually is quite interesting when you, like, I know that I don't, I, I don't enjoy it that much. Like you said, it's pretty boring. But now if I had, if I had a live imaging unit, it would be a blast. Uh, that would that would be a, a, a great time for me. That would make it way more fun than trying to watch it on side imaging or something for sure. Uh, that I could get into. Yeah, I played a, with that a little bit this weekend. It w- it made it a little better. Obviously, I didn't have any action, so that was probably a little boring that way. But I, if, I would imagine if you had a muskie coming up on it, it'd be pretty cool. Brad, I'm assuming you're not much of of a uh, jig fisherman, are you? I actually really enjoy jig fishing and I don't know, (laughs) I'm listening to you guys say that it's maybe a little bit boring, but like you said, there is no better way to get a bite than that. I mean, it's so amazing as you're dropping that bait and you start coming back, whack, that whole feeling, it's probably my favorite way to set the hook. That's for sure. I mean, they absolutely crush it. I'm, I was blown away. It's funny. It's like, it's, it's very similar to like the slack line, of of a rubber bait or something in open water but it's like the bait's not going far it's not running away from them and they just crush it they really do austin and like i said i mean it's by far probably my favorite bite in musky fishing 
Well, I, I find it odd too, because the, the baits that you use for jigging, I mean, typically it's a Bondi bait or it's a, um, you know, the Rippin' Dog from Musk Innovations or it's a Fuzzy Does It. Those are, you know, I'd say the most popular methods and I don't know, none of them are super appealing as far as I'm concerned, especially the Bondi bait. That thing looks horrible, but you can't argue with results, right? There's definitely something to uh, to the uh, bait appealing to the fish and not the fishermen. May basically making it that's the best tool for jigging, and if you got the best tool in your hands, it can kind of just look like a lump of clay. And and if that's what they want, that's what they want. Yeah, I was, you know, one of the things that I can't even tell you. Twenty years ago, you know, using fuzzy dozits, and that's one bait that I should probably pull back out and and play with a little bit more again this fall because it is an incredible uh, style of bait for jigging. And if you look at like blade baits in general, you know, which is the fuzzy does it, they are so effective when it comes to walleyes and other species and no question about it. They are as well with muskies. That's just another thing with the musky fishermen that, that we all, we always kind of put things into boxes and, and kind of restrict our, uh, our possible outcomes. And that's why the guys in Kentucky kind of, kind of show their, uh, show their colors when it comes to tournament fishing, they use everything, uh, everything under the sun to get the job done. And we kind of, we kind of forget about some things like that or, or only, uh, only think that muskies eat rubber baits and fall or things like that. Yeah. I think we all get pigeonholed into that a little bit. I know I lean towards rubber pretty heavily in the fall. Well, I think Brad talks about it quite often, and it's it's certainly it's certainly very true. The the further you get into fall, it's it's like do they want rubber or wood? And again, uh, the two things that rubber and wood do, uh, they they get down in the zone that the fish are in, and they stay in the zone that the fish are in throughout the whole cast. As like I said, as you get further into fall, making sure you got a bait that that stays where the, they're living and where they're uh, feeding is a, is a huge part of uh, the puzzle because you can't just, you can't have a bait sitting on the surface. If they're 20 feet down in the fall, they're not always going to do that. So yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting, interesting deal, but I've been definitely leaning more towards jerk baits. The more that I'm seeing guys on the water, everybody's throwing rubber. So it seems like wood's been pretty, pretty hot for me this year. All right, Austin, I really appreciate you spending some time talking musky fishing with us. A, you know, it, it, it kind of gave us a break from what we'd been talking about. We've been talking about uh, trolling and uh, turnovers, even you know, even though we, tra- we talked about it a little bit, but we've been doing a lot of that lately. So it's kind of a little bit, a little bit of spice to that because, you know, for you, you're, you're still going to continue on for a couple months here. And speaking of a couple months, if somebody wants to get in the boat with you, do you have any openings this year? And if you don't, how do they get in touch with you for any trip that they're looking to book? I definitely have openings. Um, so they get a hold of me, whether it be Facebook or Instagram or any of the socials, but most of the time you can just give me a text or call. My number is 815-575-3468. And I'll be, I'll be doing most of my trips on Geneva and Southern Wisconsin. I think, uh, I think it's, it's finally gotten to the stage in, in the stocking and, uh, the number of, uh, just fish uh to make it a a good fishable population it's been uh, one heck of a fall out there so far definitely some big fish being put in the boat and uh yeah definitely got plenty of dates like i said it's it's probably got another weekish here of going through turnover so i'm not sure when this is exactly going to be put out but i think for the rest of fall it's going to be it's going to be a pretty awesome bite it's uh it's definitely got 
pretty amazing potential for growing uh, super thick fish. And then obviously really, uh, I've heard of some pretty, pretty long ones out of there already, even though they just started stocking in 2008, but yeah, plenty of openings. Uh, great, great so far. Second season of, of guiding full time. And, and I've definitely enjoyed it and learned a lot more and love to put, uh, anybody who wants to hop in the boat on, on some fish. Awesome. So Austin, thanks again for taking time out of your schedule to talk musky fishing with us. We hope that you have yourself a wonderful fall on the water and you and your clients boat many, many big fish. And we want to once again, always thank our audience for listening to us for another week and we'll catch everybody again with a new podcast next week, Wednesday. Yep. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate having me every time.